It's a good day to be a grifter in America. And the race to regulate AI has begun. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. The grifters are out in full force today, as if they aren't always. However, there's a couple of stories that really highlight how these con artists continue to weaponize the justice system, not only to line their own pockets, but also to attempt to censor their political enemies or anyone who disagrees with the mainstream narrative. The first one involves the former head of the Department of Homeland Security's short-lived Disinformation Governance Board, Nina Jankowicz, I think that's how you say her name, who is not only suing Fox News for defamation, she's also crowdfunding the lawsuit through GoFundMe. That's right, it's a regular old GoFundMe scam. You probably remember Nina from some of the odd videos of her singing and dancing about disinformation that went around, or perhaps you recall some of the tweets that the so-called disinfo expert made during one of the 2020 presidential debates where she repeated but did not refute nor question Biden's assertion that Hunter's laptop was a Russian disinformation plot. That's right, the self-described disinfo expert whose focus is specifically on Russian disinformation, who would later be named the head of the DHS's disinfo office, didn't point out what millions of Americans who don't call themselves disinfo experts knew at the time, which is that Hunter's laptop was obviously not Russian disinformation. Give me a break. She either lacked the skills necessary to recognize what disinfo is and is not, or she just intentionally helped propagate this lie. I have my opinions on which one it is. Both, either way, I would think would disqualify her as being the head of anything related to disinformation, that is, unless she is the head of spreading it. But nevertheless, this now registered foreign agent, that's right, she is a registered foreign agent now, more on that in a second, she has successfully conned $75,000 out of people, out of a lot of Americans, sure some people from other countries as well, she's done so through a GoFundMe campaign to help her pay for this BS lawsuit against Fox News, and I mean this lawsuit is absolute BS. You can see pinned to her Twitter profile here a tweet linking her GoFundMe page along with a message that says, Fox News lied about me hundreds of times to tens of millions of people. Help me hold them accountable for the harm they do. And then you can see the GoFundMe page here, the campaign. Help Nina hold Fox accountable for its lies. It's raised $75,000. Maybe it's even more by now. Let's see. Let's see. $75,000, it says still. Raise of the $100,000 goal with over 1,000 people donating to the campaign. And this is not just a GoFundMe grift or an attempt to get a big payday via a settlement like Dominion did against Fox News. This is an attack on the First Amendment itself. Absolutely, that is what this is. That's what defamation cases do. They test the limits of the First Amendment. Listen to this from... Cornell Law, the Cornell Law School page, it says defamation is a tricky area of law as the lines between stating an opinion versus a fact can be vague. And defamation tests the limits of the First Amendment freedoms and the freedoms of speech and of the press. To prove defamation, damages or, damages or some harm caused to the reputation of the person who is the subject of the statement must be proven. However, that standard is higher when the person is a public official, which she was and still is. When that is the case, 
it has to be shown that the statements were made with actual malice, meaning that the people making them knew the statements were false or they made them recklessly. The reason the court made the standard higher for public officials is to protect the First Amendment. And in the precedent case, which is New York Times versus Sullivan, the Supreme Court emphasized the need for the higher threshold, given the importance of being able to question government officials, which is what she was and what Fox News and everybody else was doing. And one more thing. Truth is an absolute defense to all defamation claims. Jankowicz's overall claim in the lawsuit is that Fox News told destructive lies that harmed her career and threatened her safety. Now, those are the damages that she has to prove that it harmed her career and threatened her safety, which I'm going to show you in a second that she absolutely cannot prove. The three destructive lies, they, they laid out, she laid out three destructive lies that are the basis of the entire lawsuit that she alleges in the complaint that Fox News defamed her with are, number one, she says Fox lied when they said that she intended to censor Americans' speech. She says she, she didn't intend to do that. They lied. Number two, she says Fox lied when they said she was fired from her position with the federal government. And number three, she says that Fox lied when they said she wanted to give verified Twitter users, including herself, the power to edit others' tweets, and that they knowingly, with malice, actual malice, did all of that. These are comically weak defamation claims because they're all plausible based on the publicly available information, which means they fail to meet the actual malice standard. Her second claim, for example, she resigned months before the disinfo board was disbanded, and she did so after uh, the backlash that occurred once people discovered her online presence, which made her appear to be a little politically biased, to say the least. The whole thing looks, from an objective observer, makes it look very plausible that the Department of Homeland Security, as one explanation, behind closed doors might have pushed her out, fired her, while allowing her to publicly say that she resigned, which happens often to allow people to save face. That is not an unreasonable interpretation, which blows up the whole lying with actual malice claim. Get that one out of here. The third claim. She, she made statements during a Zoom call that was on YouTube that a reasonable, objective observer could plausibly interpret as her wanting to give verified users the power to edit other people's tweets for the sake of monitor, monitoring disinformation. Even if we presume that she did not want to do this and she wasn't excited about it, even if it looked that way in the video, there's no actual malice there. There can't be. Get it out of here. And finally, the first of the destructive lies that she claims Fox told is the most ironic of them all because she is attempting to censor free speech with this very lawsuit in which she alleges that it's defamatory to claim that she intends to censor free speech. Case dismissed. Get it out of here. It's also not hard to find video of her talking about what amounts to the censoring of what she declares to be Russian disinformation, which in reality is anything that undermines the establishment narrative, meaning the censorship of the free speech of many Americans who disagree with her politically. Listen to this. Listen to how she attempts to broaden the type of speech that is deemed defamatory to what she calls ugly language. She wants to rope it all in under that umbrella. And she does this by attaching it to her already weak claims. The complaint says that Fox and I quote, and folded these lies in ugly language that could have no other purpose than to 
denigrate Jankowicz's character and professional reputation. By turns, Fox described Jankowicz as moronic, an embarrassment to her parents and employers, and a self-obsessed social media neophyte. Host and commentators referred to Jankowicz as low IQ, illiterate, Miss TikTok meets America's got no talent, disinfo overlord, disinfosaurus, ministry of truth, scary poppins, a useful idiot, Janko halfwits, a lunatic, and the wicked witch. So it's not just the what she says are destructive lies that caused the damages she claims. It's also apparently the, quote, ugly language that the lies were enfolded in that also caused her harm. People insulting and criticizing her and making jokes about her, that's also defamatory, apparently. That, that's the way this lawsuit seems to be, uh, the way it seems to be laid out. It, it looks like, to me, that she's attempting to censor her political rivals from criticizing her or, or even making jokes about her. Is every Comedy Central roast from here on out going to be deemed defamatory? Could be if she has her way. That is, of course, if the jokes come from her political opposition. I'm sure her side can freely make them. People who are blinded by tribalism right now need to recognize what's going on. This is not the only defamation case. We've seen others. Others will come. They need to wake up because this stuff can be turned against them, and it will if, it, if it's allowed to continue to happen. The damages that she claims all this stuff caused, one of the specific damages, according to the complaint, is that it injured her in her professional capacity. Let's think about that for a moment here. It injured her in her professional capacity. This is what she has to prove. Nina Jankowicz appeared on Reliable Sources with Brian Stelter shortly after this happened, where obviously he didn't villainize her. He showed her support. He propped her up. He defended her, as did the other mainstream outlets outside of Fox News. In fact, she was also given numerous platforms to promote the new book she had just published just weeks before this whole ordeal happened. The book was published in April. All this happened in May, and the book was, I think it's called How to Be a Woman Online, and it is about how to survive online abuse and disinformation as a woman. That is actually what the book is about that came out right before all of this. Wow, what a perfectly timed set of circumstances that is. The woman who wrote the book on it experienced the very thing she wrote about immediately after her book about it was published. But of course, that is in no way a publicity stunt to pump up the sales of her brand new book using the proven strategy of controversy. It could never be that. To even suggest that would be abuse towards her as a woman and subject you to a defamation suit. So I'm in no way suggesting that that is definitely part of what was going on here as she was allowed to promote that book, pumping up her sales all over the mainstream media. She no doubt got broader exposure to that book, further built up her reputation in progressive circles after all of this, and set herself up for her next gig, which also harmoniously seemed to fit right in perfectly with this whole series of events. And this is the best part of this here. Just a few months after resigning from the Disinfo board, she announced the launch of what's called the Hypatia Project, which is a project designed to combat online disinformation that targets women. Oh my gosh, it's the exact same thing she wrote about in her book that was published in April, which she then turned around and experienced for the whole world to see, apparently, in May, making her the perfect person to lead this project 
that she launched just a few short months later. And here's the kicker to the whole thing. The project is conducted at the United Kingdom-based Center for Information Resilience, and her work is funded in part by grants from the UK government, which required her, because of this, to register as a foreign agent back in November of 2022. Nina Jankowicz isn't just in the business of censoring people online. She's a foreign agent who's funded by the UK government who's doing the censoring. And now she's trying to destroy the First Amendment through a crowdfunded lawsuit claiming that it's a lie to say that she's doing the thing that she's very obviously doing. So I think it's safe to say that she's going to be unable to prove damages when her career launched after this. Fox did not damage her career. They catapulted her career to exactly where it appears she wanted to be, probably something that had been in the plans for a long time. So, watch out for this case. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Fox should have never settled the Dominion case, obviously. There was no defamation there. I I think they did it on purpose because they're controlled opposition and they're trying to serve a a broader global narrative. There's even less of the case here. I mean, this is the stupidest case I've ever seen. It should have been dismissed as frivolous, like, instantly. But if Fox News settles this case, then it's clear where they stand. Not that we don't know where they stand anyway, but not with free speech. If they go to trial and they lose to this chick, then free speech is in shambles, obviously. They want to silence dissidents by pinning the scalp of Fox News to the wall for everyone to see. Fox News is no dissident. We all know that. But it is the dissidents that they're trying to send a message to. I'm not too worried because I think it would just be too obvious that Fox News is controlled opposition. This is like such a weak case to settle. And I think if they actually went to trial and Fox News lost, it would just show how utterly broken and captured the justice system is. I think it would be too obvious. I I don't think that they can steal this one as blatantly as they did the Dominion case. But she did request a jury trial, so could do a lot with a jury. So we'll find out what happens. Stay tuned. Next story. We've all heard of the Disinformation Governance Board because we've talked about it together. But have you heard of the Federal Digital Platform Commission? Well, you have now, because two Democratic senators reintroduced legislation late last week that would establish a new federal agency to oversee digital platforms and artificial intelligence providers. The bill is a Federal Digital Platform Commission to have more direct oversight and authority over AI products and online platforms. And the updated new version of the bill more explicitly addresses AI. And according to Axios, the idea to establish a new agency to regulate digital platforms gained steam after a Senate hearing Tuesday last week featuring OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, who said he supports regulations and a new agency for AI. Oh, how quickly they moved to take more power and hand it over to the heads of these tech companies. This is exactly what I was talking about last week with that hearing. I'll just go through the one-page summary that Congress put out of the bill. It talks about how this isn't the first time that a new sector of the economy has emerged to amass extraordinary unregulated power. And that in the past, Congress has addressed this by creating expert federal agencies empowered to provide regulations. They then cite as successes the FDA, the FCC, and the FAA, saying, From airplanes to pharmaceuticals to telecommunications, Congress has had the wisdom to delegate oversight and regulation of complex sectors of the economy to dedicated independent agencies. 
No such agency currently exists for digital platforms. Well, by all means, create one modeled after the pharmaceutical industry. We all know how amazing that is. The proposed bill would establish a five-member federal commission empowered to hold hearings, pursue investigations, conduct research, assess fines, and engage in public rulemaking to establish rules of the road for digital platforms to promote competition and protect consumers, for example, from addicting design features or harmful algorithmic processes. So OpenAI, Sam Altman, would be handed over, he'd be put in charge of something like this. He would be the Nina Jankovic of this commission in charge of creating all the rules. The bill would also empower the commission to designate systemically important digital platforms subject to extra oversight, reporting, and regulation, including requirements for algorithmic accountability audits and explainability. Algorithmic accountability. So this is probably where stuff like your algo is too racist, is there enough equity there is going to come into play, and also the people assigned to this committee, which would be Sam Altman. We saw Congress drooling over him, begging him to take over and be in charge of it. No doubt he would be on it. This would give him, who is the head of one tech company, the power to subject other tech companies, it looks like, to more stricter regulations than his own if he wanted to. He will be the overlord of the AI rules, and they will try to apply this globally, I guarantee it. This is, this is what I was talking about. And the explainability aspect of it here, the, the, that requirement, that's how we know they're going to put tech leaders in charge of this. Because Congress thinks that those people are the only ones who can explain this to the public. That This is what we were watching last week. This bill would also create a, a code council of technical experts and representatives. Oh, a technocratic society. A code council of technical experts and representatives from industry and civil society to offer specific technical standards, behavioral codes, and other policies to the commission for consideration, like transparency standards and algorithmic processes. First of all, for the councils, or for the commission's consideration, again, this is giving all the power to these tech companies. This is why they wanted it regulated. And finally, the bill would direct the commission to support and coordinate with existing antitrust and consumer protection federal bodies to ensure efficient and effective use of federal resources, which is something that's never before happened. Is there any line in this thing that more illustrates how full of it these people are than that one I just read? I mean, you can convince the American people of a lot of BS, but one thing you cannot convince them of, left or right, is that the government is going to use its resources efficiently or effectively, let alone both. I mean, how many billions do we send to Ukraine? Give me a break. We, Congress, propose that for the first time in American history, we will spend efficiently and effectively. Right after we vend Mosulinski another billion. What a proposal that is. Huh? What's next? Short lines at the DMV? Whether this bill goes through or not, there will be bills like this that do, and this is exactly, as I said, what I was talking about last week. The legislative proposals we're going to see are going to give the leaders of these tech companies, like Sam Altman, more power. They're not going to take it away. That's why those guys are so eager to be regulated. They're eager to get power, the power and the purse of the federal government to shape the landscape of the AI-powered world that they're attempting to create. The only problem is that most of their chatbots are trash. They're completely trash. I did an experiment earlier. I asked one of them what it thought the top news of the day was. I'm serious. I asked it that. And it said that the top news, I did that today. This is May 23rd. I asked it what the top news for May 23rd was today, what it thought. And it said the top news on May 30th, 2023 
was that the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which I was very surprised that it could actually tell the future, but not as surprised as I was to learn that in just a week's time, the Supreme Court will be overturning Roe v. Wade for a second time. Chatbots are stupid, and they suck. All right, let's get back to that con artist theme for this next story and talk about a second female grifter who is all over the news today. We all know her. I'm sure somebody loves her. It's that funny imaginative lady with a cat named Vagina who was recently awarded $5 million in a defamation case by a jury who disagreed with her central claim that she was raped. E. Jean Carroll. Come on down. Actually, pretty impressive. Probably the most anyone has ever been awarded by a jury who did not agree with their claim. Not to toot my own horn or anything, real quick. I could have covered any number of stories today about male grifters in the news. There's no shortage of them. Instead, I have decided to cover two stories focused on female grifters in the news because this show promotes gender equality. I expect my ESG score to be on the rise, and I'm going to look out for that BlackRock money in the mail. Back to E. Jean. So that civil case, which the one that she just won the award for, that was prompted by something that Trump had said in 2022, that defamation case was. There was apparently, that was apparently the second time she had sued Trump for defamation for saying almost the exact same thing. The first time was in 2019 when Trump was president, when he denied her claims after she initially made them for the very first time. That same year, while she was on what was essentially a book tour in the mainstream media, promoting her brand new book titled, What Do We Need Men For? A Modest Proposal. Trump had some protections against the lawsuit back then because he was president. And that is why that that initial lawsuit has been kind of stuck in appellate courts, according to CNN anyway. It could also be stuck in appellate courts because it's obviously bogus. So now that Carol's been awarded the five mil from that one case, which is over now, her and her lawyer are trying to revive that old 2019 defamation lawsuit, dust that one off, bring it back up. And, and what Carol's lawyer is now seeking to do is to amend that lawsuit to include statements made by Trump during Trump's CNN town hall a few weeks ago. What a surprise that is, huh? All the media on the left pretending to be mad at CNN, acting like they did not know exactly what was going on there. It was very clear. Anyway, Pussy's mom wants more damages. Carol believes she's entitled to more money because, according to Axios, Trump ridiculed her and the jury's decision to award her $5 million for defamation. Of course, she's entitled to more money because she was ridiculed about getting so much money in the first place. Whenever you're given $5 million undeserved, if anybody ridicules you about it, you should get at least $5 million more. That's how the justice system works. There's an obvious theme in these defamation stories today. Both Weird Al Nina Jankovic and E. Jean Carroll are using the justice system, specifically defamation law, to try and get rich off of and punish people who make fun of how ridiculous and stupid they are, especially if those people are on the other side of the political aisle. Is this the kind of country that we want to become, one where no one dare ridicule those in positions of power or backed by those in positions of power, being used as a tool by them, like E. Jean Carroll, who's being funded by billionaire LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman, who hates Trump. He funded her 2022 defamation case. I don't know about the 2019 one, but somebody definitely funded it. That's how these things always work, these politically weaponized uh, lawsuits. 
they get some, they get a bunch of money and they pick someone who they think is going to do the most harm in the propaganda realm to the other person. And that's what this is. Carol's lawyers sent a letter to the judge overseeing the case, which is the same New York judge who oversaw the previous civil trial, the one who gave the broad jury instructions saying, battery can be anything from an unwanted peck to a stabbing. Just find him liable for something, please. It's almost kind of what it felt like. They sent him a letter in which they accused Trump of repeating on CNN the statements that the jury found to be defamatory in this most recent case. The court filing said that Trump's defamatory statements post-verdict showed the depth of his malice towards Carroll, since it is hard to imagine defamatory conduct that could possibly be more motivated by hatred, ill will, or spite. This conduct supports a very substantial punitive damages award. Yeah, give her more money. Great, she, she deserves it. She's accusing him of raping her in a fantastical story that defies all odds in reality and logic. And, and this is based on details that she herself said. You don't have to make anything up. Just listen to how she tells the story. I mean, any, like you saw what, how Anderson Cooper reacted when she was on his show talking about how her, you know, how rape is sexy and all that. It was weird for him, obviously. I mean, anyone who believes this story has not asked a single question about it. They haven't examined it at all, probably haven't even heard the full story as she tells it. Now, I'm not saying Trump is a great guy or anything. I'm saying this is one of the most obviously bogus, cash-grabbing, attention-grabbing claims a grifter's ever made. One that, because so many people just hate Trump, they, they don't care if it's fake, and they're not even going to look into it to see if it is. Same people who will immediately di dismiss Tara Reid's claim that Biden sexually assaulted her. Without looking into that one either, just calling her crazy, we'll just assume this one, or say this one is true 100%. And the claim in this letter seems to be that simply by defending himself, from what is such an obviously bogus claim that even the previous jury didn't believe that Trump is motivated by hate and therefore he is guilty of more defamation and therefore we should give pussies mom even more money. You're not even allowed to defend yourself or mock the stupidity of the most stupid accusations, otherwise defamation. There's going to be so many academic and psychology books written about the effectiveness of the divide and rule propaganda campaign that Americans, us, we are currently being bamboozled by. How to blind people whose eyes are wide open but don't want to see. Okay, before we get to the final story of the day, which is going to be about a topless weekend in Texas gone wild, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the Drive Time News Blast XR, which is the subscriber-only portion of the show. I am going to be reading excerpts from an interesting book that is premised on the claim that the British initiated both world wars. The book is well-sourced and includes a number of surprising quotes from people you might not expect to hear them from. I'm just going to be reading through some of the passages focused on World War I today. Y'all take it as you will. Digest it and see what you think about it yourself. If you want to get access to that subscriber-only portion of the show, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. What you get is you get the subscriber-only portion of the show, but also you get the Drive Time News Blast ad-free. I remove all the ads for subscribers. I put it together with that subscriber-only portion, and it goes into your own private RSS feed from Patreon that you can then pop into just about any podcast app, and the show will upload to your uh, wherever you listen whenever it uploads. Okay. Also, follow me at Freedom Act Radio on Twitter, youtube.com slash bradbinkley, propagandafight.com is the website. All right, now on to the final story of the day, a fun one to close out the show with. Here's the headline. More than 200 people arrested on drunk and disorderly charges in Galveston, Texas as Jeep Weekend, a.k.a. Go Topless Weekend, spirals out of control. Now look, it's never good when anything spirals out of control, but if anything is going to spiral out of control, 
it might as well be Go Topless Weekend. And who knew there was an annual Go Topless Weekend in Galveston, Texas. Let's hope the nudity there is more aesthetically pleasing than what you see at nude bars in Key West, which from my one experience is typically 300-pound truckers sitting on bar stools. I was clothed, by the way. It was spring break, saw a bar that was a nudie bar, and I said, hey, let's check it out, then quickly turned right back around. Here's the story. More than 230 people faced charges after a boozy Jeep celebration in Texas descended into chaos with dozens of people rushed to the hospital. As long as no one got, like, really hurt, this just sounds kind of like a good party. Let's hope no one got really hurt. The Jeep Weekend, also known as Go Topless Weekend, is an annual beach party that draws thousands of car enthusiasts to Crystal Beach in Galveston. The event was originally intended to be a way for Jeep enthusiasts to show off their vehicles, but in recent years, in recent years, it's turned to an alcohol-fueled tribute to all off-road cars. Galveston Emergency Services and other state and county authorities had been planning for months. For wow, that's something right there, isn't it? A go topless weekend that state and county emergency services have to plan for months. That's a party. The event is usually very taxing on our resources, Major Ray Nolan of the county's sheriff's office said. At least 120 cops were assigned for the four-day event. Wow, 120 cops. Impressive. That's what happens when, you know, it's a topless. When boobs come out, things get crazy, especially when boobs are involved, okay? Booze and boobs, you're going to need a lot of cops. All right? Especially, this looks like mostly dudes to me, honestly, which is kind of what you expect of these things. You got boobs for Snoop, and you got a Snoop Dogg cardboard cutout with a couple of of folks standing there. And uh, the article goes on to say that more than 200 charges, mostly misdemeanors, were filed on Sunday alone, and about 40 people were hospitalized for various minor injuries and illnesses. That's good. It's not good that they were hospitalized. It's good when the injuries are minor, because when that's the case and nobody gets hurt, you're just getting a really good story to tell, typically. This just, to me, sounds like an adult spring break under the guise of Jeep Weekend. I mean, what else is Jeep Weekend going to become but an adult topless spring break? They probably got the name because people take their tops off the Jeep. That's what they do. Take the top off the Jeep, take the top off the breast, bada-bing, bada-boom, you got a wild adult spring break. It's inevitable. I mean, what else are they going to do on Jeep Weekend? Spend the entire time looking under each other's hood and playing with each other's stick shifts? You can see how such a weekend is destined to become debauchery. I don't think anyone who lives here particularly likes Jeep Weekend, Anna Willis, president of the Bolivar Peninsula Chamber of Commerce, said ahead of this edition of the event. I think it's a nuisance. It's not so much the event, but the people who tag along that don't have Jeeps. Oh, so that's the problem. You can get naked and hammered and engage in debauchery, but not if you're a poser without a Jeep. By the looks of these pictures I'm scrolling through, it ain't exactly the Playboy Mansion out here. It's mostly dudes, which, let's be honest, anything known as a topless event is going to be flooded with way more dudes than chicks. And if you go with a chick, you don't want her taking her top off. To me, this seems like a white male version of Freaknik. And that's where I'm going to end the show today. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.